Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you for giving me your ears. Okay, I just had such a fun conversation with our podcast guest today. I cannot wait for you to listen to it. On the show, I have senior zookeeper Jason Castro. He's currently a senior keeper at the Bronx Zoo in New York City, which happens to be one of the best and most you know notable zoos in the world. And he's on the Animals to the Max podcast. I had such a good time talking to Jason. And I apologize because it's been a few months since we had a zookeeper on the show. And our zookeeper episodes, they do really well. And I think it's because a lot of you listening, you know, want to work with animals one day. A lot of you are aspiring zookeepers. And I think a lot of you are just fascinated with the line of work. And, you know, because zookeeping is not a normal nine to five job. And, you know, looking back, the reason why I started this podcast nearly four years ago, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's, holy lordy, it's almost been four years since I started this. Wow. Anyways, so I started this podcast four years ago because I wanted to talk to people working in animal-related careers, but I wanted like the behind the scenes. I wanted to highlight their journeys and how they got to where they are. And that's why I love this episode so much with Jason. He talks about his work at the Bronx Zoo and literally how he worked his way up to becoming a senior keeper there. And he's been there for 10 years. So this is a very, very interesting episode. And for those of you listening who, you know, want pointers on how to get into the business, how to, you know, become a zookeeper or how to work with animals, there are a lot of tips and insights. You do not want to miss this. Now, as always, I encourage you to follow us over for the after show, and that is for Patreons only. It's kind of a little bonus, so if you're a fan of the show, you can join our Patreon page. Plans start at just $10 a month, and you're able to listen to exclusive after show interviews. Jason and I talk about a bunch of stuff in the after show, including his experience working with Animal Planet when they filmed the show The Zoo at the Bronx Zoo. We also talk about an animal he works with, her name is Kevin, and she's an emu, so we bonded over that because I have an emu as well. So anyway, such a fun time. Before we get to the show, as always, please write a review of the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen to on iTunes. It just helps get the show out there. We were recently ranked as number 13 in the world for uh, Nature Podcast, which is honestly pretty amazing considering all the podcasts out there. So thank you so much. I mean, we're gaining listenership, and I appreciate it so much. And more importantly, these episodes are, I mean, I create them and, you know, record them just so people can get awesome insight about what it's like working with animals. And, you know, you get to learn a lot along the way. So give us a review. It helps the show reach more people. Okay. With that said, let's get to it. Zookeeper Jason from the Bronx Zoo. What's up, man? Nothing much, but I'm excited to be here. How are you doing today? Good. And I am so happy. I don't know how, but I've been following you on Instagram for a long time, enjoying your adventures. I don't even know how we met each other. Is it just online randomly? Yeah, it's just throughout, like animal stuff on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love that. And I was like, and I was thinking to myself because our zookeeper episodes do pretty well and we haven't, I feel bad. We haven't done one in several months. And I was like, dude, I need to find that guy, Jason on Instagram. I think this would be cool. Cause you're, you're at the, you're at the Bronx zoo, right? 
Yeah, I'm at the Bronx Zoo for the Wildlife Conservation Society. Yeah. Oh man, and I yeah, I love following your your adventures, and I just want to hear your journey, Jason, because so many people who want to become zookeepers or work with animals listen to the show, and it's like the number one question I get. I'm sure that's a question you get, like, how do you become a zookeeper? How do you work with animals? Awesome, yeah. So like, it's a lot of hard work. So um, I, I feel like I got kind of lucky to where I am now. So like, I went to school for. Uh, animal care management and I was focusing on reptiles like I was a big reptile guy growing up and unfortunately because the school that I went to so I grew up in the Bronx so uh, the school that I went to was Bronx Community College and I had no idea that that, that they offered that program so when I got to college and I noticed that they had that I'm like that's what I want to do like that's the perfect for me but not a lot of people knew about that program and so it was me and like four other students who went for that major at that school. So I started out doing that like that course, and after about a year, they actually canceled the program. And I was like, oh man, like, what am I gonna do now? Like, like I came here just for the animals. And my family didn't like make a lot of money, so like I couldn't go to like a, a bigger university because I just couldn't afford it, even with financial aid. So I knew about the Bronx Zoo, I would go there all the time, and I knew that, that they had like a seasonal position like for like seasonal workers working at the children's zoo. And I applied there and I got the job and like and I just worked my butt off there. So like I would go be first thing in the morning working with like the farm animals there. So, like, the, like would stay after work to help out if like like if they needed to. Like I did not care if they like if I was not thinking like, like 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 getting paid or anything. Like I just I enjoyed working there. And after about a couple of months, I started to like, like to get my foot in the door. Like I, I liked working with the farm animals, but I was a reptile guy. So I was like, how can I get involved with the reptile department too? And luckily, they had volunteer options. So I would work five days a week at the children's zoo, and I would volunteer once, once or twice a week at the reptile house that they had there. Wow, that is in. So you worked your tail off to get where you are, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is crazy. And I'm happy you said you started out with farm animals because some people might jump into the field and be super disappointed to be like, oh my God, I have to work with goats. But it's like, <laughs> did, did you secretly feel like that? Can you be honest with us? Or were you just excited? I was just excited because oh. that was my first animal experience. So yeah, like we had the goats, we had sheep, we had chickens mm. and my parents, so like, even though I was born in the Bronx, my parents are from the Dominican Republic and they grew up raising chickens. So they were like super excited that I got to work with chickens as well. So like, I thought that would be like the perfect fit for me. So like, I had no idea about like lions and tigers and like all those other cool animals. Like, so I was really excited just working with these farm animals. You know what? I, I take back what I said because so I, I'm I'm in Idaho and we are out in man, we are in the country. If I look far enough, I can see my neighbor's goat and donkey, I swear to God. And matter of fact, you can sometimes hear it brain. So I'm used to living out in the country, but I guess, yeah, you're from New York City, like the busiest city in the world, man. So I guess you don't have goats outside. <laughs> yeah, we all we have is like pigeons and rats. Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. You do have pigeons and rats. And can we, oh man, I've seen some of those rats too. I'm sure you, oh man, they're big rats. 
You know? Oh, yeah. Have you ever... Oh, this is really bad. But when I was in New York last, and it was like late at night, sometimes if you kick the trash on the street, you'll just see... You'll see the trash moving. It's kind of fun. Like, not to kick the rats, but just to like you kick it, and then a bunch of rats come out. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, people are not ready for that. Like, oh, it is scary. Oh, they're big, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen a rat carry away a piece of pizza, too. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, but let's talk really quick about the Bronx Zoo because just for, for, for people listening, um, because yeah. you know, maybe, maybe they don't maybe know about it or what, but like, what is the Bronx Zoo like? Give us a visual because we're saying, you know, it's, it's in New York city, the busiest city in the world. So let's talk about that really quick. Yeah. So the Bronx Zoo is one of like the bigger zoos, like, especially like, like in New York city, like I think it's one of the biggest urban zoos mm. in the United States. So it's over 200 acres. Like I think it's like around 260 acres, and you can spend your whole day there and still not get to see the whole thing. It is massive, and yeah, you you get to see all like uh, different types of animals. And actually, because the Bronx Zoo is part of the Wildlife Conservation Society, people don't know that we have a lot of like we have like, a lot of researchers doing like conservation work outside of like New York City. So we have field work stations all throughout the world where the money that we make at the Bronx Zoo, it helps protect wildlife and wild places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have to say, Jason, I've been to the Bronx Zoo. It's one of my favorite zoos in the whole entire world. It is, you do not feel like you're in the Bronx. Yeah, you do not at no, all. I, yeah. I mean, I swear, like you don't. Like, And you're like, I know, I get it. I work there. But what I was shocked, because I'm not going to lie. I mean, the Bronx, let's talk about it. It's not like the safest neighborhood. It's not, not at all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up, yeah, like, so like, my mom would take me to the Bronx Zoo all the time because we were younger. That, like, the neighborhood where we grew up, we grew up maybe, like, like, two miles from the Bronx Zoo, and it was always dangerous. So, like, we knew that, or my mom knew that the Bronx Zoo was one of the safe places we can go to where we didn't have to worry about, like, shootings and, like, drugs and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's why I feel like the Bronx Zoo was a big part of my life. Yeah, and it is. And when you walk in, I mean, it's just full of these giant trees and pathways. And it's just, it's green, I guess, depending on the time of year. It is, it is beautiful. I just, yeah, I would highly recommend the Bronx Zoo. But yeah, it's just, it's weird because you don't think of the Bronx having this spectacular world-class zoo and it does. It's truly, truly stunning. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, so let's go back into your journey. So you are working five days a week with the farm animals. You're thrilled because you're, you know, working with the chickens and the goats and stuff. And then you get two days at the reptile house. Yeah, so, like, I would volunteer at the reptile house. First, they started me off making, like, the the food for the tortoises. So, like, I would chop up the greens and, like, fruits and veggies. And after about, like, a couple of months of doing that, and they had me clean the enclosures for like some of like the snakes and hmm. and like the lizards. I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. And I gained the trust. Like I showed like how much work that like I can like do well for them. Then I became their spray toad intern, where they have like the Kihansi spray toads where they do field work because like they're pretty much extinct in the wild. But they have a program where they have a collection where they have their babies and then they get to release them back into the Kansas like area like where they're found and I was actually the intern for that where I got to care for them feed them like clean their like like their enclosures so like yeah I, I've gained a lot of experience working there 
That is amazing. And, and you, okay, spray toad. See, I really love that, how you said that. Because a lot of us, when we think of zoos, we think of the iconic species, the elephants, the rhinos. What are they doing to save them? But I think it's so cool that they're out there saving, what did you say, the Chianti spray toad? Chianti spray toads, yeah, they're found in Africa, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And they're virtually extinct, you said. Yeah, so uh, they kind of, like, blocked off a section where they used to be found. So, like, they're, like, a, bin, like, a big, like, kind of fenced-in area. Uh-huh. And it's like like a dam with like water constantly coming down like this like little hill, and every couple of years when they have like enough like smaller like, like smaller spray toads, they'll collect them up and ship them out there and release them. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So like literally, re- that's so awesome. Zoo's doing yeah. great work. All right, <laughs> that's so cool. So you're doing that. Um, what were some of your favorite animals to work with in the reptile house? Oh man. Uh, so like. Just reptiles in general was like, like like a big thing for me. So they had me work with the anacondas, Ooh. and I was like, whoa! Like like I, I knew like I've read that they've gotten like they get big, but seeing the size up close and personal, I was like, oh my god! Oh. And like I would be nervous at first because like like even though like I would read about it, like I never like knew how their temperament would be, and just learning that like 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 because people might think that snakes are always aggressive and stuff like that, but they're totally not. And like that snake was like really calm and chill. And, like, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> so, like, some <laughs> sometimes green anacondas are crazy and like psycho. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, and I feel like unless like they chose like the snake that they knew wouldn't like scare me since it was like, it was, like my first time working with that anaconda. Uh-huh. So like that just made my I guess like my confidence level like go up. So like I wasn't like nervous around these snakes, but I still kept my respect for them. Like, I knew that, like, any second, like, I have to be very, like, like, like ready for it. But, like, I was never, like, scared to, like, work with them because of that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's good to hear, man. Anacondas, <laughs> man. What an iconic snake. Did you ever, now, did they put you in with the venomous stuff or the, or, or the hot reptiles, as we like to call it, <laughs> in the community? No. So they would only leave that for, like, the full-time keepers. Mm. But okay. I would get to like see them work with them though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, so the anaconda sticks out the most to you? Yeah, yeah. You know what sticks out the most to me in the Bronx Zoo Reptile House? Are you ready for it, dude? Uh-oh. The the false gharials. You kidding me? Oh yeah. <laughs> Those are. I mean, let's talk. Were you able to work with them at all? So I got to clean their enclosures, but like. Yeah, so growing up, like, all I would know about are crocodiles and alligators. Sure. No idea what false gharials were until I got to the Bronx Zoo. And I'm like, wow, they look like the mouths. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. T- tell the listeners what they look like. It's really, they're really strange looking crocodilians. Yeah. So, like, their mouths are, like, just really long and, like, skinny. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, and it's meant for, like, trying to, like, be great at catching fish. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was like, like, what is this? And, like, their size, they're massive. Like, the one that they have on exhibit is about, like, 10 to 12 feet. Like, they're, they're massive. Yeah. <laughs> it is the biggest false. Is it the is it the male you guys have on exhibit? It is huge. Yeah. You have two, right? Yeah. A male and a yeah. female? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I ask, what are their names? Let's get some behind-the-scenes information. What are their names? Oh, man. I've been working at the Bronx Zoo for 12 years, and that was back on my first year working there, and I completely forgot their oh, name. Oh, just, oh, just lie to me, Jason. Tell me it's something, tell me it's <laughs> toothy. I don't know. Oh, 
Oh, no worries, man. If you ever go to the Bronx Zoo, though, they are massive. Like, I've never seen yeah. a false scarecrow that big. They're just, yeah, huge, and you can see them uh, really up close, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are my favorite. Okay, so you're at the Reptile House. Tell us where your, your zookeeper journey takes you then. All right. So, yeah. So, my boss actually at the Children's Zoo with, with the farm animals, she's my boss now in my other department now. So, like, I worked at the Children's Zoo for a year while volunteering and inter- like interning at the Reptile House for a year. Then they offered me a full-time zookeeper position at our Wild Encounters Mm. Like, yeah, uh, department. And that's where they have all types of animals. So that's where we get to work hands-on with the animals. Because my boss, she saw the way I worked with the farm animals. Like, I was always in there. Like, I felt like they had, a, like, a bond with me, too. So every time I would go and clean in with them, the animals would come hang out with me. And my boss was like, hey, like, we have a great position available for, like, for this department if you would want it. And I saw that they also had reptiles there. So, like... Perfect. Yeah, like full-time keeper, working with all types of animals. Let's do it. <laughs> Man, you it does sound like you got lucky, though, because some people in this field might be cursing you, like, Jason, this is, doesn't happen to everybody. Because <laughs> seriously, it's true. There are people who work and try to volunteer for years, and they just don't get lucky. They just have to continue yeah. to wait. So you're only there for a year, and they offer you a full-time position? Yeah, yeah, and like... Like there were like seasonal workers there that have been working for like five or six years and didn't get that opportunity. So like it was like the right place at the right time for me. But I feel like you – would you say you went over and beyond though when you were working to try to show your oh, boss like I'm – this is serious? Definitely, yeah. So like like they say like, like be available to work like holidays and like I would volunteer like yes like I'll work Christmas Thanksgiving any really any day just bring me in yeah even like, Thanksgiving just... God's my favorite hall really you'd be like <laughs> bring me in I don't need turkey oh <laughs> oh man yeah like I just I, I I enjoy it it's my passion it is wow so that is something <laughs> so if you're listening to this those are definitely some pointers always volunteer did I mean yeah. did what are some other tips for people in those in those because because wasn't that position an internship or was that a paid? So the seasonal is oh, seasonal paid, paid, but paid like, yes, it's, uh, seasonal. Yeah. Oh yeah, but it's just like a seasonal like like a, um, a minimum wage. Okay, and the and the and the volunteering with reptiles, I volunteered first and that was unpaid. But the internship it was paid, but also minimum wage. Okay, so like you weren't making that much money, but like. Uh-huh. Just the joy that you get out of working and like, yeah, like you're cleaning up poop, but like, it's just exciting. And like, you just know that like, if you work hard, like you will get to where you want to be working in that field. Hmm. That's great. So be determined, volunteer for Christmas, Thanksgiving. I love it. All right. (laughs) Yeah. So continue. Sorry to interrupt you. (laughs) Oh, no, that's all right. right. (laughs) So then while I'm working at a Wild Encounters department, like that's where I got to like meet all these like these cool animals like i walk in and she first showed me our reptile room and there were turtles snakes alligators and i was like okay like i want to work here now like this is it and then she's like no we have more like come see like come see like the rest of our animals we have fennec foxes we have porcupines kangaroos i'm like what like oh like like my passion just went even through the roof there seeing like meeting all these animals Oh my God. That is amazing. Was it hard to keep your composure? Did you try to be cool? Or were you like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, 
when I first saw the reptiles, yeah, I, I, I just let it out. I was like, oh, man, like, okay, like, can I start working right now, right now? And then, like, I met our kangaroo, and I'm like, okay, I got to relax. This is going to be, like, so awesome. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And these, so these program animals, are you taking them to schools, or is it just stuff on site? Only on site, yeah. So, like, yeah, like, the Bronx Zoo doesn't allow us to take animals off site. So we just had like, like like a classroom that we would bring them into the classroom and talk about like the education of animals and like what we do to like work with them, like to save them like out in the wild. Yeah, they haven't done that for a while. That is the one bone I have to pick with the Bronx Zoo because I have tried. <laughs> yeah, because I go back to New York all the time for the Today Show and team up with local zoos. And sometimes my producers will be like, you know, because we'll be searching for certain ambassadors. They're like, have you tried the Bronx Zoo? And we're like, nope. They, it's like talking to a brick wall. They do not leave. And yeah. Uh, yeah, which is, I mean, which I understand. They want to keep the animals in their setting and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, and they, yeah, they have a bunch of fun stuff too. Don't they also have cheetahs there too? We do, and I, I, yeah, like again, like I was lucky enough that uh, so they're six years old now, and I was there when we got them, and we raised the cheetahs with the dogs that they have. Uh, we have English labs that we raised, so the cheetahs are little foot and Triton, and we have these two English labs, Finn and Norton, and that was our first time raising like cats like that. So like we were like always worried, like how do we introduce these dogs and cats together? Like, we've seen, like, stuff like at the Columbus Zoo and uh, San Diego. They've had that, like, they had that program, too. So, yeah, we brought them into our classroom, and they kind of bonded right away. And, like, we were just all kind of shocked with how quickly they became, like, brothers. Yeah, yeah. And what were the cheetahs' names again? Triton and Littlefoot. Oh, Triton and Littlefoot. You know I have a tortoise named Littlefoot. That is so awesome. I've never... That's so cool. Triton and Littlefoot, and they're six years old, and you said they're bonded with English labs? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is incredible. So are you still in, in the animal programs? Is that where you currently are today? I am, yeah. I'm the senior keeper there now. Senior? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I should have put that. You know what? I'm going to put that in your intro. Senior keeper, not just zookeeper. Senior keeper. Oh, man. That yeah. is amazing. And you've been there for almost 10 years? Yeah, a little over 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So what is your day-to-day -day like working at the Bronx Zoo being a senior keeper? So like, I still have that same like commitment that like, I've had while I was a seasonal worker. I'm, I'm the first day in the morning. I open up, check all the animals, making sure they're okay. I let the dogs and cheetahs out for their morning run play. Uh, after that, like I just check all, like, all on the animals. I'll start prepping some diets before like the other keepers come in, and then once more of the staff comes in, that's then we get ready to do like the program, like for like uh, our wild encounters. Mm -hmm. So then like the other keepers will start, you know, cleaning and servicing the animals. I'm more of a person that does the encounters now. So, like, yeah, like, I, I would still do the keeper work if we were, like, short staff. But now I'm mainly just doing the encounters. Oh, so you're the one presenting. That makes sense. You have a good personality. That makes sense. That, that, oh, thank you. Yeah, well, of course. So you're the one doing the, yeah, doing the educational talk, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and how many encounters do you do a day? Oh, man. So, like, our weekends is our most like busiest days. So we can mm -hmm. have up to 12 to 13 encounters a day. Wow. Wow. Yeah, but during the week, I would say maybe anywhere from like six to eight. And are these, are these just schools or can people, the can members of the general public come to some of them? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, the general public can come. So, like, the school groups, we do have an education department that mm-hmm. they go through that. But ours is just for, like, small, like, like smaller groups because mm-hmm. our classroom, we can allow up to, like, 12 people. Okay. That's, like, our max. Yeah. Oh, is that, is that because of COVID right now? Uh, it was more, like, like just because, like, our classroom was just not as big as, like, we would hope it would be. Uh-huh. But okay. uh, like, after COVID... We actually, yeah, like we actually like shrunk down the numbers because of that. Like now we're starting to go back to our like our regular size, normal group. But yeah, like, yeah after COVID hit, at first we canceled the programs, of course. Uh-huh. But now we only allow maybe like up to eight people now, just still. Yeah. Do you have to do a presentation in a mask? Oh yeah, all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I. Yeah. Can. Yeah. Is it hard to shout through that mask? I guess <laughs> you make it work, it right? Yeah. 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 Oh my yeah. god. I don't think I could do it. And I so my mask is a picture of an owl and, and it's my friend Ollie and Milky Eagle. But every time I talk, the owl's mouth talks. So people oh, cannot man. people cannot take me seriously. But it's like it's made up of light material, so that's why I like to wear it. So oh, anyway. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So JC, let's talk about that. We'll kind of switch gears here. Uh, just okay. about COVID, because a lot of people, of course, well, the world was affected with COVID. What was that like being a keeper through some of the most trying times in our lifetime right now, really? It was hard. So because the animals, they, they recognized our faces, mm-hmm. we were worried about them being nervous seeing us in masks. So, like, our parrots, like, had a hard time recognizing us. So, like, they were like, look at us, we're like, like, who is this person now wearing, mm. like, wearing this mask? Yeah. So, it took them a while to get used to us. But then, like, the cheetahs, like, they're used to seeing us, like, in person all the time. And they can get COVID as well. So, we had to wear, like, havoc suits. So, like, because we just, we didn't know how serious COVID was going to turn out to be. Mm. So, we would wear that all the time. We couldn't do, like, free contact with the cheetahs for a bit because we were nervous about giving them COVID. So, like, they were always kind of, like, a little nervous at first, like, maybe, like, two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. But after a while, we think that maybe, like, they can, like, smell us. And they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, these are the guys that that, that we would play with. Mm -hmm. So then after, like, some of the treatments that we found out that, like, like, you know, after getting tested and, like, we didn't, like, and we knew we didn't have COVID, we would still wear our mask and face shield. But we would just change our clothes from, like, what we would wear outside of the zoo to inside. So we wouldn't cross-contaminate what we would, like, be outside with. Yeah. Were you nervous that you ever were going to lose your job during this time? Uh, Yeah, because, like, we've heard about a bunch of layoffs that happened at other zoos. So we were lucky. We didn't have any layoffs at, like, at all. Yeah. We're, so at, we were, really? Like, yeah, no layoffs. Oh, my God. That's so lucky because... Yeah, I mean, it was used around the country. Some were closing down, people were out of jobs and just trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, and so, like, we were closed for about, I think it was six or seven months. And, yeah, everybody was nervous. And then then we had to change our schedules, too. So, like, we had, like, A and B teams. So one team would go in for a week and then be off for that week while the other team came on for that week. So just so we wouldn't actually, like, 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 get in contact with each other, so we just had to, and we kept on getting tested every week just to make sure that we didn't have COVID. So we did that for about six weeks. And wow. then th- that's when we all came back after those six weeks and started working together again. Wow. And then, so now, how are things now? 
are you limiting the amount of people that could go to the zoo? Or I, I don't, I haven't been to, I honestly haven't been to New York since February 2019, right before the news really hit. So it's just crazy, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I hear I hear it's changed. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So like the streets were a lot empty back then, like, 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 like when COVID started. But now, yeah, there is like a certain, like a certain amount of people that can come into the zoo. Okay. And like I was saying before, like in our classroom for our programs, we were, were allowing 12 people now, depending on the program, mm-hmm. if we know that the animals can't get COVID, we'll, we'll allow 12 people into the program. But like with our cheetahs, like our, our cheetah program or like our stuff like Benchavon, stuff like that, we only allow six to eight. Wow. And let's talk about that because the Bronx Zoo, wasn't it a lion that got COVID from the Bronx Zoo, or it was a like that was the first one that made national headlines because before we thought this was only a disease that humans could get, and it turns out, surprise, animals can get it too. And the Bronx Zoo made headlines. Yeah, so uh, one of our lions had COVID, like, mm-hmm. so I guess we didn't know that one of the keepers had it, mm-hmm. and while he was working with the lions, after the lion got it, but uh, like it like showed symptoms of like coughing and like not really like wanting to eat as much, mm. but that was like like the most extent to it. So like, it never like, got worse after uh-huh. that. So mm-hmm. luckily after about like a week or two, I think it was, I think it was two weeks, Lion ended up like getting better. Great. But uh, after like that happened, yeah, that's when like, we all got like really serious about like, like the equipment we have to use. We uh-huh. have to like work with these animals. Are you nervous about this new Delta variant coming in? Yeah, because uh, like we we just don't know like who's in it, like who has it. So we have to be really careful with like what we do and like how how like we allow like people like into our zoos now. So like now they just made it a rule, like like a, a state rule that you have to be vaccinated to be like to come to the Bronx Zoo. Really, gonna... you have, you have to yeah. show your card to come to the zoo. Yeah. Really? Oh my god, mm-hmm. I am. Wow, I'm shocked. Well, I guess yeah, I'm not because yeah. I was talking to my wife. She said that you can't even get into like gyms or certain restaurants without having your card. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that's going to start, um, I think, the, the second week of September. They're going to make that official. Wow, wow. And that, <clears throat> oh my goodness. So, oh man. So I guess they're just, are there, any, are there any other restrictions or anything they're putting into place to prevent people from. I don't know, or trying to deal with this new variant. Um, you still have to wear your face mask no matter what. Like, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty much it right now. Yeah. 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 Oh man, that's. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, if we keep on worrying about it, it's not going to help anything. But my goodness, I sure hope we don't go through what we did in 2020. That would be crazy. Yeah, and I, I feel like. You know, we lost a lot of money being closed for seven months. Like, oh my God. I'm not sure if, like, if we can handle a, like another closing like that. Because then I feel like we might have layoffs if we do close for that long again. Yeah, I mean, because the Bronx Zoo is home to what thousands of animals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And just like in my department alone, we have over 200. So like. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Oh, that's um. It's really terrifying. What do you have to say to someone maybe wanting to try to get a job during this time? Um, I mean, it, I, I feel like it's going to be a lot more difficult with everything going on. And, you know, I feel like it could be even more competitive. And it, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, still keep trying to, like, you have no idea what can happen. So, like, people might end up leaving. Like, like a lot of people left New York 
when COVID happened. So mm-hmm. uh, who knows? Maybe people will still continue to leave after like this new Delta variant coming out, but still continue trying to get a job because you just have no idea. Like like we might have positions available, mm-hmm. and people just don't know about it. But like, yeah, just keep keep trying, never give up. Yeah, absolutely. Any other pointers for someone wanting to get into the field? Oh man, so just volunteering and getting experience. Like, like, of course, like I really wish that like I had my like education like that. Like, cause like a lot of my training is on the job learning, like that I learned while working at the zoo. But like, I wish I would have like had my college degree because like I just feel like I can like move like, like even though like I've had a successful career like as of now mm-hmm. but still i still think education is really important because just just so much to learn and yeah. like, i wish like I, I would just learn that before i actually got my foot in the door at the zoo and then yeah. like volunteering also helps as well of course that is interesting i don't think i i guess i didn't realize i guess in that story that you went straight from a seasonal to a senior keeper um without that degree and that's unusual right now in this day and age that's a huge that's a big thing yeah, so like m- most of my my coworkers, you know, like they all have like they all have their college degrees and like some kind of like science background, mm. and like I I I guess like I do like to say that like I've made it far without my college degree, but like mm. I still want to make sure that like education is really important because like yeah. some of the yeah, like 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 some of the things that my coworkers got to do in college, I wish I could have done like with mm. the experience that they've had like. Like uh, doing field research, like I got lucky enough to do field research with like snapping turtles with the Bronx Zoo, and that was amazing. So like, just stuff like that. I wish like I could like experience back in college. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. And I, I mean, but you're still. I mean, it, it it's amazing though where you are. I mean, you, you got experience, and um, I, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I encourage everyone to go to college. The experience. Excuse me, it sounds like I swallowed a frog. Uh, the experience is amazing. And I, so my favorite parts of going to college were the field work I was able to do, like going to Africa, the Seychelles. And I feel like a jerk rubbing it in. I'm like, we went to Africa. Let me tell you about my trip to Africa. Um, no, but that was my favorite part. Do I use my education on my degree every day? Absolutely not. Uh, so, <laughs> like. Yeah, spoiler alert, you don't really use it when you're a keeper. They don't, you know, teach you how to train a tiger at most zoos. So I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, would you ever consider going back to school? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like if I want to be like a collections manager or like a, a mm. curator, I feel like I would need to go back to school. And luckily with the Wildlife Conservation Society, they promote like, you know, like college courses where you can like get your degrees and like masters so once i feel like i'm ready to like like all right all right if i have like the time to do it i do plan on taking those courses okay okay that's yeah. awesome man well are you ready for a round of some fun questions Ooh, yeah hit me <laughs> okay hit you okay have you ever worked with an animal you were not fond of oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah uh a pied crow oh really yeah so like all of our animals are really nice like and they, they i feel like i have a bond with all the animals besides this pied crow <laughs> and he would call for you or, or, or like just he'll call for me just to get me close to him and every time i get a little too close he'll just nip my finger like he's like gotcha and I'm like, oh, oh my. man <laughs> oh my god and they're so smart they're one of the most intelligent animals in the world 
They are, yeah. He is so smart. His name is Hodari. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> can uh, can Hodari talk? So he can, but like it, he'll like mum- like he'll mumble his words. Like he'll say like "Hi, baby" or like <laughs> "Really, really, yeah, yeah." So cool. Like he's a really cool bird, but he just does not like me. <laughs> they are so smart. It blows my mind. Some scientists, I'm like you know this, think they're more intelligent than great apes. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he, he is smart. So smart. Wow. Okay. So the pied crow. Uh, if you had to work like your favorite animal, the number one animal you work with, who? What would it be? Ooh. Like just like a general species, or with what I work with now? Uh, I guess general species. You you could do both a general species and what you work with now. So hmm, general species. Like I'm still reptiles is my is my heart. So there you go, man. Gators. I love alligators. Me too. Did you know I have okay. two alligators? Yeah, I see the video. Like, oh, so awesome, so awesome. Sonny, are you a team Sonny or team Chompers fan? This is where we... Chompers. Really? <laughs> oh my god! People online are people are are they're not happy because sonny got sand before chompers and people like there's a hashtag trending justice for chompers and people are pissed <laughs> it's like i'm sorry i'm just one person it's funny people want me to get her outdoor sand and chompers doesn't even go outside she like <laughs> could care less but that's awesome man oh yeah. man i'm with you the, the crocodilians i love them man I yeah. love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you guys also have, oh, my God. I One of my favorite exhibits, you have those two Nile crocodiles. <sighs> yeah, they're massive. Have you ever seen those behind the scenes? Yeah. So, luckily, when I was an inter- uh, interning as a, a spray toad intern, they had me feed them. The Nile crocs? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What was mm-hmm. that like? So scary. So, like, <laughs> so scary. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, like uh, uh, they have them trained where like like when like they'll call like the mail over and like they'll split up like in, into two stations and yeah I got to feed the big Muslim chicken just hearing that force of like yeah them closing their mouth I'm like wow like they're so powerful yeah it is a cool if you ever go to the Bronx Zoo I love it because they're in the Madagascar building exhibit and it's like yeah this old historic that's what I love about the Bronx Zoo it's like. They still have those historic structures, but when you go inside, they're completely revamped, and it's like you walk into this old building. What, what was that building before? You were here. It, uh, it's like a primate so, house. I don't know. It was some bird house. It was something. I I remember like it was always Madagascar since I've been there, but I think there's actually like a lion head behind Madagascar. You're right. Yeah, so like a lion house. Yeah, like it, like a yeah. big cat house or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you walk into this old historic building, and then inside, it's all redone, and the Nile crocodiles are behind glass with underwater viewing, and the glass yeah. is magnified, so it looks they look even <laughs> they look massive, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. You got to feed them. Now, of course, you had your little like safety hooks or tongs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they they have them trained to eat at different stations. Yeah. So I guess. The- uh, they just sort of want them to like you know like like be like food aggressive towards each other, but yeah, sure. so like they'll call them out. Mm-hmm. And they all like like one goes to one spot and the other one goes to the other side, and yeah, that's how they feed them. That's so cool. I really need to work on target training, Sonny and Chompers. I mean, I I really really do. But the my my training, I mean, it's it's just me though, and I'm like 
using all these excuses. I'm just like, they're so busy, but they really need to be, their manners are God awful. I need to really work with their training and, and target training seriously. Cause they could be, do some pretty cool stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was, okay. That was pretty cool. So, okay. Anyway, sorry. Completely, uh, digressed oh. from there. So your favorite, yeah, go ahead. Favorite, uh, other animals is like this emu her name is kevin that we have and she's amazing like she was the first animal that i got to help hand raise so a person bought her from a meat market so like like as an egg and what this person yeah and this person bought three other like two other eggs with it and they donated it to the central park zoo and we all work with the zoos like in new york city like they're all part of the wildlife conservation society and after the eggs hatched out we got Kevin the day after she hatched. So she was like, I was like one of the first persons she got to meet. And every day, like as a keeper, I would like prep the food and I would keep her next to me. She would be by my side the whole day. And she's got used to seeing me like chop, like chop, like uh, cutting up food while she just hangs out next to me. And now she's 10 years old. She's taller than me. And we, like, I bring her into these, like these encounters, like, like, like these programs. And I just like rub her side. She sits down. And she lets all the guests pet her on her side. And we just talk about emus. And, like, it just shows how much care and love that she shows to me. And, like, like oh, I, I just love that bird. Dude, mm-hmm. we are a brother from another mother. Because I have alligator, <laughs> the emu. And I love I love how her name is Kevin. So you thought it was a male. And then did she lay an egg? So we feather sexed her. And we oh, that's how she was a female. Yeah. You feather sexed her? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, so- my God. Go ahead. I want to learn more. <laughs> so well we saw the movie or, or my boss saw the movie up like, okay. right before we got kevin and she saw that in that movie is like like, like uh, this little boy finds an emu and he thought she was the boy so he named her kevin until at the end spoiler alert sorry for who haven't seen up but she had babies and like in the bushes and he's like oh it's a girl so my boss she was like i bet you she's a girl but we just don't know yet because she was a baby so like let's name her kevin and when she turned around like four or five years old, she's like, like, we still had, like, like, didn't know. So our vets just took a feather and they just did some DNA testing. And yeah, they found out she was a female. Oh, see, we are way, we don't have a vet. We are way too cheap for that. We, no, I'm kidding. We, we just knew Napoleon, <laughs> we just knew Napoleon was a female when she laid an egg. And it was like, well, confirmed. <laughs> Has Kevin ever laid an egg? Not yet. So, like, how old was so, yours when she laid an egg? Oh, that's a great question. So, uh, so five, maybe ten. Oh, ten, all right. She's she's five. She is 16 now. And she is oh, she's laid three eggs. Really? Yes. And it was shot. It Jason, honestly, when I first, so she laid one egg, I believe in 2014. And I literally felt like I'd been lied to like my whole life. Like, cause when you think, you know, somebody, and then you find out you're like, what? Like, I remember I, I was shocked. And then I remember I, at first I thought someone threw a green and, um, 
blue like paper plate in her enclosure and not that we're open to the public so i was like oh my god maybe it blew in i don't know maybe a family member tossed it and it was a crushed egg and that's when i was like oh my god and then the other two um yeah i i've tried to keep and then she crushed another one it was just a long story but uh, oh man yeah but they don't lay them like a chicken though i hear it's pretty rare they don't just like pop eggs out so yeah so basically now that she's like she just be turned 10 in may Maybe oh. she'll start laying some eggs now. Now, does she, when you go up to her, rough up her feathers? So she does that with keepers that she doesn't like. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait. When, 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 when she goes down and roughs up her feathers? Oh, so when she's on the floor, yeah, she does, like, she does that while I'm rubbing her. Okay, like, if yes. I go outside with her, uh-huh. like, she'll just walk up to me and, like, and just, like, kind of, like, rubs herself. But, like, if it's a keeper so that cool. she's not fond of, that's when she, like, puffs up. Oh and, like, yeah! Walks to her like this, and then she just like starts jumping and starts chasing him. Oh it's yeah! It's so funny. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrifying. You know, I so I thought I was the world's best emu trainer because I'll go up to Napoleon and she'll like fluff up her feathers. What I realized though is that she's just getting in the mating position. Oh, <laughs> seriously? Think about it. she roughs up the feathers. She sticks her butt out. And for the longest time, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I am, I have a knack with emus. And I think Napoleon thinks I'm her mate. Don't you oh, think? Because she literally puffs up. It's like, what do you, What else is she doing? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so true. Yep. Because uh, our Kevin, she does the same thing. So she, so ours, like, she does it when we're about to bring her back inside. Uh-huh. And so, like, I walk behind her. And I just kind of, like, tap her on her side. And she gets to the door, and then that's when she sits down, and she does the same thing. And I'm like, oh, God, come on, Kevin. We got to go inside. Yes. Like, there's no time for this. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, does Kevin ever get excited? Because sometimes I'll touch Napoleon. Well, I, that sounds so bad. Like, I'll rub. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll uh, fluff her feathers. I'll never touch her inappropriately. Okay. But then she'll, like, jump up and, like, get excited and run around the pin. Does Kevin yeah. do that? Does, yeah, Kevin does the same thing. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. I, I can't even believe that. That is that is the coolest thing, man. It is. It's so awesome. So and did, then, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Oh. You go ahead, man. And like we tried to introduce Kevin so to our male emu that we have in our bird department. His name was Bobo. Won't work. And she did not care for him. She was like, nope, I want to be with the human Jason. I don't care about Bobo. Let's go. Like, and he got all excited. Like he saw her, uh, and we had like a fence in between them. And he's like puffing up. He's like, "Ooh, come here, come here." And Kevin like looked at her and like turned away. Like, no. <laughs> oh my god, they are such characters. If you, I love emus. They are so yeah. cool. Oh my god, that is. What do you? What I am out of curiosity. What do you feed Kevin? So we give her a mixture of. Uh, avian pellets just like a regular bird pellet uh-huh. and something called adf 25 it's like a, a like a herbivore kind of food oh. and then we chop up fruits and veggies and we give her insects really so yeah. i for what type of insects you give her like dried mealworms and crickets and stuff yeah we give her crickets we give her wax worms uh mealworms but she's and- not a fan of the mealworms but the wax worms and mealworms like this like, like the smaller mealworms yeah and she, you'll she'll eat them put them in the bowl and mix it together yeah. Really? Yeah. And she'll eat fruits and vegetables too? Oh, yes. I feel like grapes is like one of her favorites. 
Really? Mm -hmm. So we've tried grapes. Napoleon hasn't been the biggest fan. We get a special ratite diet made here in Idaho because um, there's like Ooh. two other. Um, there's one other person here in, Bo in Boise that has an emu, so they make this <laughs> special food for us weird emu people, and it's for made for emus, ostriches, and rias, and it's just and it's like a oh. grain pellet, and that's all we usually feed Napoleon. So that's interesting. Ooh, I'll have okay. to try some. Are there any other? So I'll try grapes again. Any other things that Kevin likes maybe that I could try? So she loves like the stalks of, of like of like greens. So like what? Like what? I'll talk about like the kale stalks and collard green stalks. And she loves it. And she's, like, she's been eating it as like since she was like a, like a baby. Like loves picking at it. Oh, yeah. God. I feel awful. We always feed the stalks to the tortoises. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What if this is Napoleon's favorite food and I have never even, I've never offered her a stock. Oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. We're going to, you know what? I'm going to offer no to do offer Napoleon a stock. You got it, man. I'm going to, yeah. You know what? That's a good video idea and I'll use it for podcast promotion. I'll see if she likes grapes, a stock. And then you yeah. said a mealworm. I have a mealworm. We'll try a mealworm. Oh. But you said Kevin's not a fan. Yeah, not really. Like, so you'd rather go for the wax room instead. Wow, that is so yeah. awesome, man! Oh my god, <laughs> that I'm all about that. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Will you join us for the after show? Of course, yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say to any aspiring people or uh, keepers who want to get into the business at all? Uh, just always keep like just working hard. Like never give up. Be passionate about what you do. Uh, even if it's for free, like you will get your time and yeah, just never give up and be passionate about what you do. That's awesome. And what is your Instagram handle? Uh, it's jcash324. Awesome. And I will put the links in the show notes. All right, audience, if you want to join us for the after show, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max to check out that exclusive interview. With that said, let's head on over to the after show. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.